It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Miracle Mama podcast. I'm your host, Ebony Ford, and I have a treat for you today. I am so excited to bring on a medical mama, autism mama. She's just a warrior all over. I will let her introduce herself. You guys, I have Miss Melanie Oates on here today. Melanie, how are you? Hey, everybody. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me on here. I'm excited to share my story and just help any other mom or supporter who may be in need. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you've definitely made it your mission to do so um, on Instagram and Clubhouse. It's actually how I first met you on Clubhouse. Uh, We were in, I believe, the Real Moms Club. Shout out to Camille. Uh, Camille Joy Robinson I love her Um, and I I believe we were in a room and I can't remember what the topic was but you were just so candid and I um, I you know followed you and I followed your social media and found that you were right here in my state and I was so excited because it just I don't meet people who live here often and um, just following your journey with your kiddos it was amazing and um, just watching all of the things that you've been through that you overcome in such a short period of time I knew I had to get you on as a guest so I'm excited to get into it if you will tell us about you where you're from how many kiddos you have and any titles you may hold yeah so I am from Maryland I'm born and raised and I have three kids Um, I got my twins, my 10-year-old twins who are living with disabilities, who I know I will be talking all about today. And then I also have my newest baby who is two months right now. He'll be three months next week, actually. And um, I, you know, I worked in corporate America, um, but there are so many things that I just wanted to do and fulfill in my life. So I transitioned and now I just talk about my life on social media, like you said, and yeah, so, um, and connecting with other other moms. So yeah, that's me. <laughs> awesome. It's so amazing how we, you know, build a path for ourselves, but motherhood has a way of just diverting all the plans you thought you had, um, diverting everything that you thought you wanted to do. And you know, turning pain into purpose, turning, you know, our experiences into a roadmap for someone else. And you've done an amazing job of that um, on your social media, also sharing. I know you've done other podcasts as well as speaking um, out. So I want to jump into your story. Tell me this. 
Uh, I love to do a little rapid fire question, um, a little this or that before we get started. It just helps shake off the nerves. So tell me this, chicken or salmon? Oh, salmon, for sure. Yes, girl after my own heart. All right, uh, chicken noodle soup or chili? Well, that's a good one, but I'm gonna have to go with chili. I need a little bit more heartiness than chicken noodle soup. All right, all right, I can dig it. And would you prefer to be outside during a heat wave or snowed in during a blizzard? Oh, I'm gonna be inside, inside, <laughs> inside, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let's hop into it. Motherhood, did you always know that you wanted to be a mom? Honestly, I didn't. Um, I'm the youngest of my family. So I saw my brother have, ooh, he has, I think, seven or eight kids. I can't keep up. And then my sister has three kids. So I was that like cool auntie, um, you know, always seeing, being around the kids. And that kind of scared me a little bit. <laughs> but um, I never, you know, visioned or had that like whimsical, oh, I can't wait to be a mom type um, because I just saw so much with my family. So that whole experience was, was very different, <laughs> but I'm glad I am a mom. I will say that now. Definitely. Um, I know everyone's journey to motherhood is different. Um, some are intentional, others are not. Some are, you know, well thought out and planned and others are literally an act of fate. But no matter how it comes along, I believe that everyone who has a child is meant to have a child. They're meant to be a mother. And I believe that our babies birth a higher purpose in us. So if you weren't a mom, do you know what you'd be doing right now? Oh, absolutely. I probably would be somewhere in Silicon Valley because like you mentioned, the diversion, oh my gosh. I went to college, got a computer science degree, was this powerhouse female in tech and you know just all this amazing stuff. So if I didn't have kids, I probably would just be, you know, grinding really hard. Um, but I would never know what the life I have is like now. And I can honestly say I'm more fulfilled doing what I'm doing now versus working in corporate America and climbing that ladder and you know being that female STEM. And I'm saying STEM, so my, some people might know might not know what that means. It's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Um, but you know, I, I I have more more love for life for being a mom now. So yeah. But if I didn't have kids, I'd be in Silicon Valley. Definitely understand that. So let's hop into your journey to motherhood. Tell us about your pregnancy with your twins. What was that like? Uh, was it eventful? Um, and were there any indications that anything could go wrong? You know, my pregnancy, oh my goodness. It was, it wasn't a, a surprise. We knew that we were pregnant. I was married at the time when I um, had my twins, but there were some things going on within the pregnancy. Once I learned that I had twins, of course I had to have more um, appointments than what someone who has only one child has. But they told me that my daughter was growing a lot um, slower at a very slow rate in comparison to her twin brother. They never, you know, 
went into detail. They did offer me an amniocentesis, but this was my first pregnancy. And the way that they described it was, if you have an amniocentesis, and if you find out that you know something is wrong with your child, most people terminate their pregnancy. Like that was the advice that the doctor told me. And again, my first pregnancy, I wasn't near my family. So I didn't have, you know, my mom, you know, aunts, whoever, I didn't have those people with me. So I was going at this as just like, you know, a deer in headlights. And with them telling me that having an amniocentesis, even though I knew that she was growing smaller with their advice, if you find something out, you know, most people terminate the pregnancy. I just said, absolutely not. I'm not doing that. So no, the only thing I knew was that she was smaller and that was it. I didn't know anything else until a year later. Got it. Got it. Okay. So take us to the birth, take us to um, the birth with a full term. Um, how, you know, eventful or uneventful was your birth? And at what point did you know that something was different? Um, so I had them when I was 34 weeks. So they were, um, you know, preemies, even though they were twins, um, 34 weeks is kind of in that um, full term range, if you will. But um, either way, 34 weeks is when I had them. And immediately um, before I even had the C-section, the reason for it was because my daughter's heart rate was going down. So mind you, obviously her twin brother is growing inside of me, but of course with twins, you do, you know, if you got to take one out, you got to take both of them out. So um, I had them, I had a C-section and the C-section wasn't too traumatic, but the after effects of it was, I didn't get to hold my babies. I didn't hear my daughter crying. Um, my son I didn't even know what was going on with him. I didn't see them until about two hours later and I just got rolled into the NICU um, on a stretcher. Still couldn't hold them, still couldn't touch them. So the, the trauma started literally once that two hour mark hit, that's when the trauma started. Cause I was like, this is not how motherhood is supposed to be. I wanna you know, hold my babies. I wanna do skin to skin. That didn't exist for me. So it's very, very traumatic. Very, very, very sad for me. I can definitely relate to that. Um, being a mom of a NICU baby, uh, you know, we make plans. We make plans for our births. We, you know, have an anticipation of how things will go. And we don't talk enough about what happens when the birth plan doesn't go according to plan. What happens when your babies end up in the NICU and the difficulties of, you know, uh, what's the word, bonding with our babies and getting to know them and them us there's an interruption there, you know, that skin to skin, it's healing for them as it is for us. Um, it helps our milk production and all of those different things. And we often don't get that um, when we have premature births or um, if there's any kind of birth injury or trauma that happens at the time of birth, I believe that's a moment that's not only snatched from the mom, but the baby as well. So tell us about how they did in the NICU. Were there any complications there and how long were they in the NICU? Yes, my Nikki story is definitely interesting. Um, I'll start with my son. My son was there for 14 days, so two weeks. My daughter, she actually spent time in two different NICUs. The reason for that is because she um, got a 
infection. It was called NEC, which is necrotizing intercolitis. Some of you who have um, preemies may have heard of that, but yeah, she had to be transferred from her birth hospital because of the level of care that they did not have. Um, she had to be transferred, but unfortunately, um, they didn't tell me that she had to be transferred, and I did not even know until I decided, let me go take a, you know, a walk down to the NICU, because I was still in the hospital myself. Let me go take a walk down to the NICU, because um, I want to see my babies, and they had the transport team there. Like, they literally told me as she was being transported that, like, she had to go. I knew that she had the um, the neck, the necrotizing intercolitis. But I didn't know the magnitude of what that would mean. So she ended up getting transferred to a hospital that was one hour away. And mind you, I still had her, still had her twin brother, right? So um, she was now an hour away. Again, brand new mom. Again, no family around except for my husband at the time. So it was, it was wild. The good thing that I can say about the hospital, the reason why my son spent 14 days is because they kept him there. Um, Cause you know, if you're in the NICU, you have to meet these certain guidelines and they basically said, okay, we're just gonna, um, you know, say that he's still working on his feeding even though he wasn't, they really did me a favor. I, I'm sure they just felt really awful for what happened, um, but they did me a favor so I could at least spend some time with my daughter and figure things out um, before my son came home. So I am grateful for that, but it was, it was traumatic, very traumatic. And I lived in Daytona Beach at the time, Daytona, although some people may think, oh, you know, it's, it's nice, resort, whatever. No, when you live there, especially being um, of color, it is not the best at all. Like Daytona is known for NASCAR. I like the races and, um, you know, seeing the cars go around the track. But when you need that care and when you're in a situation like mine, I really do think that, you know, we just are not treated fairly, which is the reason why I think they didn't even bother to tell me the significance of what was happening to my daughter and that she had to leave. So yeah, in a nutshell, my daughter spent in total two months in the NICU. My son spent 14 days in the NICU. Wow. Wow. Um, it's so unfortunate. I've heard that so many times that parents aren't as involved in the decision-making process as they should be in the NICU and um, you know we shoot it straight here on the Miracle Mama podcast unfortunately it happens to be among the moms of color who are not well informed about what's happening decisions are made without them being a part and ultimately the moms are the ones who have to carry the repercussions of that um, especially if you've just given birth you can't just sign yourself out of the hospital and just go there's so many other moving parts. You know, if you have other kids, you have to make arrangements for them. Someone needs to go with the baby or your baby's going alone to a hospital, a new environment, and you're at another place. Like you said, an hour away. It's just a really unfortunate reality and one that I am working to change um, by having, you know, healthcare professionals and you know, those who work in birth care, just learning a bit more about these experiences and hopes that we can avoid them um, and hopes that we can change the culture within the NICU um, and within, you know, colored birthing moms altogether. I just think 
we are misunderstood and underrepresented. And um, it is because of voices like mine, voices like yours, voices like so many of our other sisters who are transparent in social media that I believe that change is going to happen. So tell us what happens when your daughter, um, your son came home after 14 days, but tell us what happens after that two months when your daughter came home. Um, were there specialist appointments were there any indications that um, she may be a bit more medically fragile than maybe you had first imagined or were told? Yeah, so when she came home, um, she had to come home on a heart monitor. So um, that was something that I had to learn. Um, but as far as, you know, the necrotizing into colitis, and I didn't really explain what it was. It's really a... Um, infection of your intestines. So anything that you eat, her formula, um, you know, well, she wasn't on formula, it was, I was trying to breastfeed, but any, any um, liquid that she got, it was basically like poison because it would, it was deteriorating her um, intestines. So with that being said, when she went to that other hospital, Luckily, she did not have to have surgery. They caught it in time. But a lot of times, if you do not catch it in time, um, you'll have to, you know, get that deteriorated part of your intestines um, taken out. And then, you know, they kind of sew, sew, sew it back up or whatever. So I had that in my mind. In my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to deal with this intestinal stuff. You know, I don't know anything about it. But um, that was like not even an issue um, by the grace of God that I'm, I'm very happy for. But she had the heart monitor and everything else did not come into play until she was 11 months old. So she came home at, you know, the two month mark, um, but not until 11 months is when I learned about her actual diagnosis, which is then which started all of the specialists. Luckily, I had her twin brother there um, so I could see like some differences. You know, he was doing things a lot quicker than she was, even though he was delayed himself. Um, that was a, you know, a, hey, what's going on type thing here. Um, I did ask for um, a, a neurologist to see her. So they did, you know, the MRI and all this stuff to figure out, okay, what's going on? Why is she delayed? But not until 11 months did she have a genetic test. And that's when we found out that she had a rare genetic disorder. And that's just when, like, whew, that opened up a whole, whole new chapter in our life especially then. Wow. Okay. So tell us about what it was like raising two children, two small kids who were very different, had very different um, complications. Well, let's take a moment. Let's focus on your son. Tell us about, you know, what he would like was like for him after the NICU. Did he have any complications? Was he, you know, developmentally on point? What happened with him? I know there were a lot of changes with your daughter, um, but he had some time with you, you know, before she came home. Tell us what that was like um, and how his development went. Yeah, so my son, um, Julius, I didn't even tell you my kid's name, Lord have mercy. So my, I got my daughter, Janelle, and then my son is Julius. So um, Julius, he actually, before he left the NICU, he did have to go on to um, the ventilator. So he was intubated. But after that, um, there were not any, you know, severe complications. Um, he, you know, was able to be breastfed. 
Um, I got to have that experience with him, although I had to do a lot more pumping for his sister because I wanted to make sure when she was able to um, have, you know, liquid again that she was getting breast milk. So I, I was, um, you know, trying to breastfeed him and then do the pumping for her. But we did have that bonding time. Um, there were some delays with him, um, but, you know, it wasn't anything as severe as, you know, his sister, um, like you just mentioned. He he was ultimately diagnosed with autism when he when he was two and a half. But in those early years, um, there there wasn't there wasn't a lot of complications except for that intubations period and then the delays that I started to notice with him. Got it. Okay. So let's hop into when things got a bit more um I won't say chaotic, but things got interesting with your daughter. Let's talk about getting a diagnosis for her. Um, what were some things that you were noticing about her developmentally, medically, that led you down a path um, to realize maybe something bigger is going on here than just being premature or complications of prematurity? When did you know that there was something more happening, you know, something more happening with her? Walk us through that diagnosis time. So, yeah, um, I started to notice that she wasn't doing those milestones that, you know, everybody visions of. Now, as a first time mom, I had like the whole book in the, in the timeline um, and the little piece of paper that was printed on top of the on the, um, above their changing table. So every time I would change them, I would like be looking at the little chart. Um, and she just was not hitting anything. So those things like rolling over, um, you know, trying to crawl, um, even things like like holding toys and stuff like that. It just it wasn't happening. And I, I, I didn't know what to do. So, um, you know, that's when the neurology came into play. I started wondering, you know, was it something that I did? Um, I know her heart rate was going down. Did she not get enough oxygen? Well, you know, and I was like having all these battles with, with myself because it's like, what is going on? She just experienced all this time in the NICU. Nobody told me anything about, um, you know, well, she didn't have enough oxygen. So she might have, um, you know, X, Y, and Z type of, of um, disability, like nothing. There was nothing. Um, she did have, you know, a blood transfusion she had two blood transfusions actually when she was in the NICU. So I was like, oh my gosh, was it somebody's blood? Like what is going on? Um, but we did end up getting that genetics test and that genetics test proved that it was in her genes. So I started thinking, oh my gosh, like what did I do wrong again? Like how, how is this happening? What about Julius? Like it was, it was ugh, a lot of attack on myself. That's what it boiled down to in the beginning of it all. Like I, I was attacking myself while also trying to figure out what the heck is going on with my child because something is not right. You know, it's funny how we internalize and we blame ourselves for things that are so far beyond our control. Um, I think it's just natural as a mom to question you, question what you've done from pregnancy on up when things go wrong with our babies. but. Often there are things that we just cannot control. And um, 
that guilt is real. Mom guilt is real, but I always tell people, you know, the door is always open to mom guilt. It is a prison that you can walk out of. And it often comes through education, you know, realizing that this is something genetic. It's not, you know, anything that you did or didn't do. Um, it is just something that was purposed to be for your child um, so that she would be the amazingly special little girl that she is today. So what was it like hearing the words that she had, um, this diagnosis, and if you don't mind, explain to us exactly what their diagnosis is and um, what that looks like um, for children and, you know, even adults, um, you know, as they grow up. Tell us what that was like hearing it and what adjustments had to be made. I will never forget the day. Um, I was at home. I got a phone call because um, it takes time to get, you know, the test. So she had her blood work done, but I, I want to say it, it, it was like a week or maybe a week and a half later when I got a phone call and the person got on the phone, said her name, said, you know, I'm from the genetics department at the University of Florida, um, not the hospital, excuse me, not the college, but you know how some hospitals are tied to colleges. Anyway, so um, she said, um, I think her name was like Jennifer or something like that. Um, I'm calling from the genetics department from University of Maryland. Is this a good time to talk? As soon as she said that, is this a good time to talk? I immediately like, ugh, it's like I got flush. Um, of course I stayed on the phone, I didn't pass out or anything, but I sat down and I stayed on the phone literally for 45 minutes because I finally got the answer, but I finally got the answer if that makes sense. So what I mean by that is, it's like, okay, this is what it is. And then it's like, oh my gosh, this is what it is. So her diagnosis, um, unfortunately it does not have a name because it is so rare, but it's a chromosome deletion. And basically not to turn this into a science podcast, but you know, most people are born with, um, 23 chromosomes from their mom and 23 from their dad. So you have the 46 chromosomes. Um, if you're a, a person living with Down syndrome, then there's a, um, I think it's like an extra chromosome. But anyway, I'm, and I'm no scientist in no way, shape or form. But when it comes to my daughter, um, a portion of her chromosome never developed. And what I learned during her, um, like, you know, early stages of, of the pregnancy when a baby is born, it starts with that fertilization. And then your cells basically duplicate and duplicate and duplicate until you are a full-blown human. Um, her original cells, we don't know if it was me or her dad, but something did not develop. And that is what was being replicated over and over and over again. Um, so again, I know that might be a little confusing, but from a scientific standpoint, that's how it happened or that's what it is. But with the deletion, it's very rare. There is no name, um, except it's called a pathogenic terminal deletion on chromosome seven. But with that deletion, she has other diagnoses like cerebral palsy, epilepsy, which are seizures. She's hearing impaired. She's severely development, developmentally delayed. So she's not walking. She's nonverbal. Um, it's just a whole slew of other things that have that came with it. I did not even know that on that conversation, but 
the person that I was on the phone with, she broke it down in a way from a science standpoint, obviously, because she's a genetic geneticist. Um, but I got myself tested to see, okay, am I missing something in my, you know, in my genes? Her dad got tested. He wasn't missing anything. So it ended up being, we don't know how it happened, but it is a lifelong um, condition because there's no way that you can go and insert what got deleted. Um, Cause it, it's just, you know, not possible. I do pray, you know, I'm very prayerful, but right now, um, the reality is, you know, she's she's living how she living how she is because of the chromosome deletion. I hope I didn't bring back horror memories from people from like science and biology class <laughs> trying to explain that. But um, that's 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 what Janelle's condition is. You did an excellent job of explaining that. I'm so glad that you know and are well educated on the condition and hopefully you know can help other parents who receive those types of conditions so um i can totally relate and i know so many listeners can to that moment of diagnosis um that moment where you get the call or the conversation is had the day you walked into the doctor's office and everything changed so how did your approach to parenting or the services um, that she would need. How did you go about that? Because most of us, we don't know anything about early intervention or, um, you know, respite or any of that. These are things that we end up, you know, educating ourselves about. Or if you're lucky, um, if you're blessed, you know, you may have someone in your life who gets it or social workers who walk you through. But my experience and that of many I've talked to has been that we've had to educate ourselves on the process, what comes next, what should we do? So tell us what that was like for you trying to get the care and the education for her that she needed and deserved. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Ooh, child. It was like going down the yellow brick road that never had an ending. Like, oh my gosh. Um, it was so much confusion. The confusion because as soon as I, you know, found out the diagnosis, the first thing I did, which I'm sure a lot of you all probably have done, is went right onto the computer and Googled. You probably already have been Googling stuff already. You know, why is my child delayed? Why this? Why that? But now you have something tangible, but you still don't find anything. Or if you do find something, it's like, looks like a foreign language because it's either some document that a, a person did in college um, to get their doctorate degree that somehow ended up on online or it's just it's it's, it's just a mess <laughs> so um, when I did get the diagnosis though um, I immediately turned on that mom hat of let me try to figure out how I can you know make this adjustment. Um, I didn't find much though, but once, once I went back to her doctor, um, her doctor, and this was her pediatrician at the time, um, he's the one who kind of gave me some references. He didn't really guide me in, you know, the perfect direction, but he did give me some references. Um, 
And those references were like what you were, you know, talking about the, in um, Florida, they call it like early steps, which is the early intervention. I know every state is different, but um, that's, you know, when I, once, when I, that is when I learned about all that stuff. Again, it still did not make a lot of sense, like early intervention. Okay. What the heck is that? What do you mean early intervention? Like, okay. Like it still was very, um, you know, it, it just didn't make a lot of sense. I didn't have anybody to talk to. I was married, of course. So, you know, I had my my husband at the time, but he was very, oh, yeah, right. You know, okay, she got that. And like, it was very, all right, whatever type of, I was, this is not a marriage. I, I know you're not, Ayana will fix my life, Ebony, but <laughs> it was very, very challenging to trying to talk to him, even trying to talk to my family. Again, yes, being prayerful. Um, my mom is um, a pastor. So the first thing she said was, oh no, we're going to pray that stuff out of that baby. Da, 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 da. Okay. Yes. Cool. I got it. I got the prayers. I've been praying too, but I, I, that's, that's not helping me right now. That is really not helping me. I've been in church my whole life. I know what the Bible says. Thank you, mom. But I'm looking at this human being right now that is dependent on me and I'm not getting the answers that I need. So it was very challenging. I had to learn as I went, learn and, and yeah. Um, also I, I will mention too, um, I talked about it earlier, but just being, um, you know, of color, in the area that I was in, a lot of the services weren't used to people like myself. And if they were used to people like myself, um, as far as, you know, being Black, they weren't used to us being so vocal and us being so, no, I need you to find me this answer. No, that's not good enough. They weren't used to that. So it was, it, it was, it was a bit of a challenge because I'm very vocal and I was not getting the answers that I wanted to get and that I know that I had my daughter deserve. So it was really hard. Yeah, I can only imagine that. And I know those of us who are of any particular faith, you know, we lean into our faith to help us get through things and to explain the whys, but I believe there are some things we will never know on this side of heaven or wherever you believe you're going. Um, after that, I just believe there are some answers we will never know. And as much as we want to, um, you know, use our faith to pray things away and to, to change things, I believe that if we believe in purpose, then we have to believe that our steps are ordered. We have to believe that everything that is was meant to be um, so that we could be who we're supposed to be. If Janelle had never been, you know, diagnosed with this chromosomal deletion, you wouldn't be the amazing advocate. And, you know, mom, you wouldn't be here teaching others how to find services and things like that. So, you know, everything that happens in our life, I believe it is for the building and for the betterment um, of all of us and those who will benefit from our words and our experience. Um, you made a very, very um, tough decision recently, and we're going to hop into that. But I want to talk about pregnancy after raising two children who are special needs. Um, those of us who have been, you know, NICU parents, medical mamas, um, there's so much trauma that comes with, you know, even thinking about doing it again. You know, you go into it thinking, oh man, you know, I want another child or I don't want another child because I don't know what the consequences are going to be. You know, you try to keep an open mind, but you know, in the back of your mind that something similar could happen. Um, and it takes a lot of faith. It takes a lot of courage to go in 
um, to, to trying to conceive or, you know, finding out that you're pregnant and deciding to go forward with the pregnancy, knowing all the things you've already been through. You have your new little one who is close to being three months old. Tell us about him and tell us what it was like um, being pregnant, managing two older children who have separate disabilities. Tell us what it was like. Um, did fear come into play? How was that for you? Oh my gosh, yeah, this pregnancy with uh, my newest little one, his name is Liam, um, it was it was a surprise, honestly. Um, I After having my kids, after having the divorce, you know, um, I, I, of course I wanted to, you know, find my perfect, you know, mate, if that ever existed, but um, I did find somebody. But with the pregnancy, um, I, I found out I was pregnant and then two weeks later I started bleeding, went to the hospital and they told me that I miscarried. I had to go back to my doctor. My doctor confirmed the miscarriage because um, my HCG numbers were going down or HGC, whatever those numbers are. Anyway, they, they confirmed it was a miscarriage through my blood work. Um, by the grace of God, they did not you know, make me have to take any pill or you know the things that um, to like, um, I don't know what it's called, but there's something that some people have to take after they miscarry to like fully get, get everything out. I didn't have to do that. Five months later, um, my cycle never came and I went back to my doctor and they said, oh, you actually never had a miscarriage. You're five months pregnant. So I went five months without knowing that I was pregnant. Um, I was like dumbfounded and I was scared because here I am. I have my kids already that have their disabilities. Now I've gone five months carrying a child that I have not taken prenatal, you know, vitamins. I didn't, I didn't do anything because I didn't know I was pregnant. Um, but like you said, everything happens for a reason with my daughter, with my son, um, Julius, and now my new son, like they're here for a reason. They're here for their purpose. So whatever that purpose is, Liam made it you know, he's here. Um, I was scared though, because I just like, is something going to be wrong with him? Um, I did not get, you know, amniocentesis. They did offer it to me, but um, I didn't get any of that. But I did ask a million gazillion questions. I did have an MRI when I was pregnant. Um, so they were able to see his, you know, brain development before I even had them before I even had him. So that was very helpful. Um, and you guys can off, like y'all can ask for that. Like amniocentesis, yes, that is, um, you know, people say it's more risky, but I didn't even know you can have an MRI when you're pregnant and they can like see everything with the baby. It is amazing. So just keep that in mind um, if you ever do want to have another child again. But uh, by the grace of God, there's nothing going on with him, but I did have a lot of, of, of nervousness. I can only imagine. Um, first of all, let's back up. There is a show I've been watching for years. It terrifies me. I don't know why I do this to myself, but I still watch it. And it's called, I didn't know I was pregnant. And these people literally will be giving birth. And that's the first time they find out they're pregnant. And um, I've heard of stories, but I've never actually known anyone. And I remember when you announced it, on your social media I was like come again 
what in the world? And, you know, you explain how it all happened. And I was like, wow, this, this is incredible. I don't know how I would have felt, you know, processing through that, thinking that, okay, I, you know, I lost a child, I grieved a child and, you know, I'm an angel by myself. I've, I've had four angel babies before my daughter. And I'm like, I can't imagine walking away heartbroken thinking, oh man, this didn't work out. And then the baby is living, kicking, breathing. And I didn't feel any of those kicks. I didn't feel any changes. I didn't notice anything. I, I just, I can't imagine. So you have so much respect um, from me for just how gracefully you handled that. But the fear, the fear of not just because you didn't know you were pregnant for those months and, you know, you just went on about life as usual, no prenatal care or anything. I can imagine that caused a set of fear, but also knowing what you've been through with your other two kids and, you know, just thinking that, man, you know, something could be wrong with him as well. I could be a mom of three disabled children, you know, how would I handle that? What would I do? Um, and I'm so grateful you have an amazing support. He seems um, amazing and your partner, forgive me, I don't know his name, but um, you two just seem to be an amazing team. He seems to have just stepped right in um, and to have been an amazing support, not just to your new baby, but, you know, to your two other kids. So um, I'm so happy for you. Um, you look happy. Um, those of you who have followed Melanie and hopefully you'll be following her after this, we'll share her social media handles in the description. Um, but your life, um, you've overcome so, 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 so much. And this recent decision that you had to make um, after your daughter, we had a pretty lengthy um, hospital stay. Um, we're going to talk about that. You had to make a difficult decision um, to do what was best for your daughter. Um, one that not many even know exists, um, not one that many could probably make um, out of their own, you know, selfishness. So tell us about the um, admission that your daughter had, um, the nursing complications, and then tell us about the decision that you had to make. Yeah, so um, last year, um, excuse me, in August, or might have been September, um, Janelle, she was like unconscious. Uh, my now boyfriend, and like you said, he really has stepped in. He's a respiratory therapist um, out of like, how ironic is that, right? Um, and respiratory therapists, they're the ones who work in the hospital that do the intubation, that, you know, um, do the, you know, CPR, um, all that stuff. So anyway, um, I just leaned on him and said, what should I do? So, um, you know, do I need, should I call 911 immediately? And when I say she was unconscious, she was... Um, she was like not respond, not responding um, to the point of her usual self. She still was breathing, um, but it wasn't. It wasn't to the. I've I've been in a situation with her before where I knew I needed to call nine one one. This was like a mm, okay. Should I wait or should I should I do it now? So I don't want y'all to think I was just ignoring like what was going on. But anyway, so her um my boyfriend he's just said you know go ahead and call nine one one. They flew her to um the hospital, Children's Hospital in Washington, D.C., and um, she ended up staying there for a total of 47 days. In those 47 days, the it started out okay, but then it, it turned into a nightmare. Um, she lost like 50% of her hair because somebody decided to take her braids out. She wears her hair in these little cute little braids, think like Susie from the Rugrats. That's how she wore her hair, so cute, so pretty. 
somebody decided to take those out and wash her hair and they left her hair in a towel for like it was like two days two days um and I went there and her hair was matted like y'all know like I'm I'm black she's obviously black you can't do that to our hair never to this day did they tell me who did it because they were protecting their staff. But um, unfortunately that happened. She also got um, bed sores. I don't even think I mentioned that on social media, but she got um, bed sores because they didn't listen to what I told them. You have to turn her. Um, so it was awful. And um, the, the rubber met the road when I was asked um, if I had everything I needed at home. Throughout the 10 years with Janelle, you know, we we had home health nursing. So um, there were people coming in and out of my home helping us. But of course, with COVID, there became a nursing shortage. So I was asked the question, do I have any, you know, what I need at home? Um, I had already been like thinking about like, what am I going to do? Janelle's going to get bigger because she's like a newborn in a 10 year old body. And I'm um, sorry, like, <laughs> I'm a little, my tears are coming, but um, it was, it was a very hard decision that I had to make because I told the social worker, I'm afraid to tell you my real answer because I don't know what you're gonna do. But I ended up telling her, like, I need help. Like, I, I'm struggling badly. I don't wanna give my child up with me just telling you what I just told you. Like, I don't know, like, don't call CPS. Like I. I went there, but I had to make I had to make the decision with myself and be real um, with myself because I just I had to be logical. So that was the hardest decision that I ever had to make in my life because it's my child. Um, but she after she left the hospital, she was moved to a 24 seven respite care center. Um, I didn't like go through any CPS or anything like that. But of course, when you're a mom and you tell someone who's a social worker, like, I need help, I'm really struggling, your mind might go there too. But um, it was really tough and really challenging. But I still see her all the time. She's sweet as can be, and she's thriving so well, like so well. So it really lets me know that, okay, this was the right decision. Um, and sh she's doing amazing now. Take us to the mindset that you had the day that you had to take your daughter there and leave without her. What was that like? I didn't want to leave. I did not want to leave at all. Um, when I when I took her there, the staff, you know, they're very welcoming, and it's a pediatric um, center, so you know they they have children there. Um, but I'm literally like, I'm dropping my daughter off, and she's not coming back home with me. It was the longest ride home ever. The place is already an hour and a half to two hours away from me. So that's long already, but it was even longer because the mental component of it, you know, I'm trying to focus on the road driving, the tears are flowing, the, you know, the, oh my gosh, you know, let me turn back around. I wonder if they're doing this. Did I forget to tell them that? Like all these things were going through my mind while I'm trying to focus on the road and, and get home safely at the same time. Um, it was it was really hard. I called them three times on the way home um, just to check on her. Um, 
but it was luckily they were very you know warm very friendly very welcoming i also have a friend whose son is there as well so i leaned on her um to just kind of you know help me but um it it was it was hard it still is hard and i'm in therapy actually not just for that but my therapist reminded me melanie you're going through grief your daughter is still physically here on this earth but she's no longer in your home you're grieving and you have to remember that and you have to give yourself the grace and know that you know it's a process but know that you made the right decision so i'm still going through it as you can probably hear in my voice but um all in all, I do have more positive thoughts than, oh my gosh, I should have never done this because she's thriving so well there. Wow. I um, I commend you for the strength that I know that that took. I cry when my daughter stays the night with her grandparents. <laughs> like I, I'm a sucker for goodbyes. I'm a sucker for even see you laters. I don't know why I've just always been like that. And um to entrust my daughter into the hands of, you know, those that I don't know, but I know that they're best for her um, is a decision that I don't know if I could have made. So, you know, so much respect and kudos for you for doing what was best for her, making sure she could have the care that she needed and deserved. Um, I know it was a difficult decision, but it was a well thought out decision. And it's also one that you had to seek out and find, you know, that resource on your own. So if you can leave any words for a parent who may not have the nursing care that they need, they're overwhelmed, they may not have the family support and or possibly considering, you know, a long-term care facility, what would you tell them? The first thing I would say is, um, you know, give yourself grace. Know that everything that has happened and is happening is for a reason and for a purpose. That seems like the theme of this, um, you know, this conversation, but just to know that they aren't alone, know that even on their darkest days, you know, there's still that, that dim of light um, that does exist. They might not see it, but it is still there, um, but they have to give themselves the grace. When it comes to getting the, you know, if they don't have enough um, care at home or if there's something going on there is they're lacking, um, ask the questions to, if you have current doctors, um, you know, ask them because your doctors, they have other patients and other families that may be more vocal who have shared things with them. So just don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to cry. Um, don't feel like you're being selfish if you just need a minute. Um, I used to go sit in my car just for like 30, you know, 45 minutes and have my kids on my phone looking on the camera in my house um, just to make, you know, they were, everybody was good and straight, but I just needed like, I just need a minute. Um, and I would do that and just know that it's okay. Um, but, you know, you can't beat yourself up about it. Mom guilt is going to happen like you talked about it. Um, earlier, but just remember, give yourself grace and ask those questions, talk to people. If you're listening to this, obviously you're doing something already, which is, um, you know, trying to stay encouraged and connecting with people. So keep doing that. Awesome. Awesome. So before we close out, tell us about your new little one. Tell us about Liam. What is he like? What's his personality like? Is it different 
this time around raising a child who um, up to this point seems, you know, um, neurotypical? What has this experience been like for you? It's been a joy. Um, there's a lot of things that he's doing that I never got to experience um, with my now boyfriend. This is his first child. And I told him there's like, I'm going to experience a lot of firsts with you, um, even though I have kids already. But Liam is doing great. Um, he's doing things even like tracking his eyes, um, looking at me, those things that a lot of people probably take for granted. I'm just embracing it all. Um, you know, the skin to skin, all that, um, him bonding with his brother, um, him, you know, seeing Janelle, unfortunately that he's not able to see her in person because with COVID you can't have kids go to the center, but still bonding with her um, on, you know, the video calls and stuff like that. So Liam is a joy, Liam is great. Um, and yeah, it's, we'll find out how things go. I'm staying very prayerful, but so far everything's been really amazing with him. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. He seems to be the rainbow after the storm for you guys. And he was definitely a little hit, a little rainbow. He's stuck in there for five months um, against all odds. Um, his story is incredible. And um, I believe there's definitely going to be great purpose for his life. Um, and he seems to be bringing you guys a lot of joy. Um, and I pray that your journey with him uh, will continue to be a healing one for you, um, that you be able to wrap your arms around him and even the love um, that you receive from him would sometimes even be in proxy for Janelle. You know, if you can't get to her, you know, that you would feel that unconditional love and that um, raising him, you would know that you've just done an amazing job at making decisions for your children and doing what was best for them. Um, I know it was not easy to do raising two um, very different neurodiverse children and um, having to hear I guess feedback from you know others there are always people in our lives people who may have our ear um, and we may have theirs you know they may share their opinions or whatever but until you're in the situation you really don't know what you'll do and um, I can only pray personally that I have the courage to make such um, selfless decisions for my children should I ever get to a crossroads. So I don't want to end this podcast without saying how much I truly respect you um, and honor you for all that you have done, not just to help others, um, but to be a great example for your children. Um, it is incredible. It is remarkable. And um, you deserve to be celebrated. And I pray the people in your life do just that. But if they don't, you now have an army of Miracle Mamas who will be celebrating you and dads and only dads out because we have some dad listeners as well. But we are definitely celebrating you. And um, I hope that you guys will go and follow Melanie's journey. Um, through it all. She's so transparent. She shares so much. So Melanie, tell our listeners where they can find you and how they can connect with you. Yeah, so y'all can find me on Instagram, um, Melanie Oates. And it, Oates is O-A-T-E-S, um, but Melanie Oates, I'm on Instagram, I'm on TikTok, I went on to that wave, but um, I'm Melanie Oates on there as well. I'm on Clubhouse, Melanie Oates. So y'all can find me on majority of the social media networks um, under the name Melanie Oates, but Instagram, that's my main go-to. Awesome, awesome. So before we go, Melanie, I always like to give my guests 30 seconds to share their thoughts, to give advice to anyone um, who maybe listened to this podcast and it resonates. 
with them. Um, someone who may need to make a difficult decision as it pertains to their child, maybe someone who did make a decision and now has regrets. What would you say to them? Um, I would, and I know I've said it um, already, like with the grace, but um, just know that, you know, things are going to be okay. Um, I know that's easier said than done. Also make sure that you are doing what you can for yourself, including the mental health component of it. I know I didn't talk much about it on here, but it is so important just to do a check. Um, you know, even if you feel like you're okay, still go and talk to somebody because they may see things in you that you might not even know, um, you know, that you're going through. And if you are struggling or, you know, battling things, I didn't even mention it earlier, but I'm also a suicide survivor. I attempted to take my own life in 2007, but I'm still here. So that purpose component of it, you might not know what it is right now. You might not know, you know, the reason why things have happened to you, but just know that you're here for a reason. Give yourself grace and include therapy and self-care into your regimen. Awesome. Awesome words of advice. I love it. Well, Melody, I want to thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you for sharing um, so openly and transparently. Thank you for the wisdom and the words of encouragement that you've given to our parents today. I hope that you all will follow her journey um, and that you will share this podcast with someone who may be able to relate. If you have a medical mom in your life, if you know someone who has a child who has a genetic condition, pass this on, let them listen. Hopefully they will find strength. They will glean courage from all that Melanie has shared today. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning into another episode of the Miracle Mama podcast. And until next time, make sure you keep your eyes open. Miracles are all around you. Goodbye, everyone. Thank <laughs> you.